We're going to read the scripture this morning. It's a wonderful section of scripture. It's from Mark chapter 12, and uh, it'll appear on the screen uh, behind us. Why don't we stand uh, this morning for the reading of the word of God? One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The teacher of religious law replied, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth by saying that there is only one God and no other. And I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all the burnt offerings and sacrifices required in the law. Realizing how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Have you uh, noticed that there's hardly a road or a mall or just about any place that you can go to that you don't see a sign I mean, there's signs everywhere, signs for everything. They're intended to be helpful, at least most of the time. In most cases, they're providing direction or information. Sometimes they're trying to sell us something or to warn us about some potential dangers. I always like seeing signs that made me kind of chuckle, signs that just seemed weird, silly, confusing. I got a selection of signs for you to look at this morning. Some are intended to warn us. This first one is uh, good for children. Oh, that, oh, there, that one. That was an eye test. Thought of getting one of those for the kitchen here. Um, This next one is good too, in case you're thinking of becoming a burglar. And this next one, you might want to think a couple, you know, just think about it. (laughs) You ever seen signs that are confusing and make you kind of go, huh? I think this next one will do that for you. How about this one? Some signs are they're, they're for our protection, right? And, and uh, we used to live in Ottawa or just outside of Ottawa. Tina's family is from Cleveland, um, which incidentally, uh, Tina and the kids left this past Wednesday. I'll catch up to them on Friday, so I'm free for dinner this week. Um, uh, the power of the pulpit, never to abuse it. But uh, when we're driving on I-90, I would see this sign that always made me kind of laugh, and it was very similar to this one. (laughs) 
And in case you're wondering, I mean, why would you not pick up a hitchhiker? Wouldn't that be a good helpful thing? I think this next sign kind of explains it. <laughs> Sometimes signs express truths. We just did a series on the family. I think some of us might identify with this. How about some more confusing signs? Because I, I, I think it always makes me wonder, going, what were they thinking? How about this next one here? <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're, you know, in a truck or motorhome or something like that, that makes, that makes sense. This is a good one, too, for those of you who enjoy playing soccer. Go, kids, go play soccer. This next one is pretty interesting, too. It makes you, it takes you a second. Sometimes signs just state the obvious, right? Like this next one. Now, before you move to this next one, I have to tell you a little. This next one is actually a, a picture that I took. And at the beginning of, uh, of May... Um, I took Anna to a volleyball tournament in Abbotsford, B.C., and we were in this building, uh, and I'm walking into the washroom, and I see this sign. <laughs> Makes you go, hmm, I mean, really? Do they need to put a sign up for that? Well, sometimes signs are obvious and well-known. And they remind us of something we already know. You can take that one down now because... Not this one yet. Hold on. Back. Um, but they remind us of what we already know. And they keep us from missing the obvious. For example, you may know how you're driving, the driving route that you take to work by memory. You know which lights you hit. You know which lanes you need to be in. You know which are the turning lanes. You know where the stop signs are. You know where the yield signs are. Everything is in place. But when you see that stop sign, you're simply reminded of what you already know. Or take, for example, the caution children playing sign that's just around the corner from your house. You, you know it's there, but seeing it just reminds you to be that extra vigilant um, because you never know if a child might run out between some cars and out into the street in front of you. Well, signs are helpful because they do remind us, and sometimes they remind us of the obvious. And it's for that reason and others as well that we hung these banners here that you've probably noticed over the last month hanging here in the auditorium. At TCC, we like to be simple and often just state the obvious. Probably every one of us, before we ever entered into this place, uh, if we were asked on the side of the street, what is the greatest commandment, you probably would have been able to answer that question. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. But like the stop sign on the way to work, or the playground sign in the neighborhood, it's good to simply be reminded. And I think it's good and healthy for us to often remind ourselves of some of the most basic purposes of our life as followers of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can lose my focus fairly easily. Not always quickly. Sometimes it's just a slow drift, barely noticeable at first. But then a reminder, an event, 
a challenging word or maybe thoughts and behavior that surprise me and it's like, what was that? Where did that come from? Yes, I need to refocus my focus. I need to put it back to where it belongs. On God, on His Word, on His power, on His love. And our hope is that as we gather in this place, or even if we walk through here during the week, and we see these banners, it would be just like, oh yes, love God with everything. And maybe you'll find yourself going on through your week, and you have this visual flashback, and you kind of see these banners in your memory, and it's, oh yeah, love God with everything. And so this morning, this message is just a simple reminder because maybe you, like me, need to refocus your focus. And there's really two aspects of this great commandment that, we, uh, that, that was read for us already. It's just love God and love people. It's love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Three of the four Gospels record this verse with some slight variations in wording and in the circumstances in which it is read. You'll find it in Matthew 22. And in that situation, an expert of the law was testing Jesus. And there's a bit of an antagonistic feel to the exchange. This expert asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then said, and the first, that's the first and the greatest, but the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You'll also find it in Luke chapter 10. Here again, we find an expert in the law was testing Jesus. But this time he asked Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal eternal life? Now, Jesus doesn't directly answer his questions, but actually asks one of his own, actually two questions. He asks the the expert who asked him what must he do to eternal life. He says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And this time it was the expert who answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. But after Jesus responded that, yeah, that's correct, this expert then took it further and he wanted him to define who who his neighbor was. And then Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then in Mark chapter 12, this passage that was read for us already, here the feel is a bit of a more polite exchange, kind of a, a friendly dialogue between a teacher of the law and Jesus. The teacher of the law asked Jesus, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? And again, Jesus responds, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, there is no commandment greater than these. Now, each of these three passages have in common the quoting of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the passage goes on to say this. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. 
write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, make signs, hang banners, do whatever you need to so that you're reminded of the commands that we are to obey. And that these reminders will then help us refocus our focus just when we need it. And this verse from Deuteronomy chapter 6, it was repeated two times every day by faithful Jews. Every Jew would have known and had been able to recite this verse at a very early age. And maybe for many of us, this was one of the first verses that we learned. Probably why some of us looked at this side and said, shouldn't it be mind strength instead of strength mind? And it kind of threw us off. Because we, we, we had memorized maybe the passage from Mark instead of the passage from Luke. And so as we were hanging this, we went with Luke's version instead of Mark's version. And so it doesn't matter what order it is because the message is the same. Now, there was good reason to ask, what is the greatest or, or what is the most important commandment? You see, the passage from Deuteronomy that is quoted here in the New Testament, it follows the giving of the Ten Commandments. And over time, tradition took place and, 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 and uh, the Jewish scribes ended up ultimately speaking of 613 specific individual commandments of the Mosaic Law. And they were even separated into 364 negative ones and 248 positive ones. Now that's a lot of commandments to keep straight. Easy to lose focus, to become confused. Like that picture on the stop sign, well, I'm stopping, but I can't turn left, I can't turn right, I can't go ahead, I can't go back. Now what do I do? All of these commandments were binding. They were expected to be obeyed. But it was assumed that there was a distinction between the weightier ones and the, and the lighter ones. And attempts were often made to sum up the whole law in a single unified command. So it's not surprising that Jesus was asked, what is the greatest or what is the most important law? Because it was this topic that would have been debated by the experts on a regular basis. And to bring clarity, to bring the law into focus, what is the greatest and most important command? Jesus, how would you sum up all these individual commands? And Jesus reminded them of what they already knew. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to just highlight two words to begin with here. And the first is love. It's such a broad term. What does it mean? It, and it's used here in a sense of an all-inclusive affection or emotion. And, and it's the kind of love that ultimately motivates and, uh, and, and, and it, it motivates our obedience and our actions. It causes an active response. And so when we talk about loving God, it means that we live our lives in such a way that we actually seek to please God and bring glory to Him. That we do it intentionally. And it was love that motivated God to give His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. 
Romans 5 verse 8, but God showed or, or God demonstrated his love for this, in, or his, his love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. That is how he demonstrated his love for us. He sent his son to die. It was an active uh, response of his love for us. And so because of his love for us, we sing, we, we, we love because he first loved us. It was like the song we sang earlier, right? We sing because he's good. It, it, it motivates our singing. We dance because, it, because he's good. We, we shout because he's good. And it was like when Sam was saying his testimony, bringing glory to God, we applaud because it's a response to what God has done. And so we love because he first loved us. We love because it is a response to his love for us. God was the one who took the initiative. He made the first move. He created us. He saved us, forgives us, blesses us, protects us, heals us. And so we respond by loving him back. So the first word is love and the, the second word is all because it's one of those words that could easily be missed, but it's, it's repeated here four times. All your heart. All your mind, all your strength, all your soul. It, it, it just is to emphasize the fact that we love God with everything. It literally means the whole of. And this simple word defines this love as devotion to the, of the whole being to God. Who we are, not just a part of our lives. It's not just a thing that we do on Sundays or a segment of our lives. It is a love that is personal. It's, it's comprehensive. It includes everything. And it's wholehearted. And so it was repeated over and over. Now there is a danger in looking at this verse, I think, and breaking it down into these four parts. Because each of these parts really is, is, is part of the bigger whole. They're, they're all interrelated. And, and so, you know, it might, I don't, I don't intend it to, to be confusing. You say, well, that kind of sounds a little bit more like this, or that sounds like you're talking about the heart instead of the soul. And I, and I don't mean to go there. But I do want to just kind of walk through each of these four statements because I think it can be instructive to us and learn, help us learn about how we can then express our love to God. And so the first is that we love God with all your heart. With all your heart. The heart is known as just, it's like the control center, right? It's the, the place of our emotions. And this is loving God with our affections. And when I talk about affections, it's, it's not about a physical affection and like we can kind of give God this big hug, right? It, it's about being sincere in our motives. We probably know what it means to be half-hearted. That might be a, another way of looking at this from kind of the negative perspective. Maybe we're just not really kind of into it. And whenever we're not into something, we miss out on the full extent of what God had in store for us. This is a little-known fact about myself. But I took five long, arduous years of piano lessons. And I could sit down at that piano and play one scale because I wasn't into it. And I have to tell you, this is a little bit scary for me to talk about because my dad's here this morning. 
And he still gives me a hard time for five years of wasted money invested in me trying to learn the piano. But you know what? I wasn't into it. My heart wasn't there. And I would sit at the piano after school, and we had a big patio door right behind me, and my friends were out in the back alley playing road hockey, and I wanted to be out there with them. And I would do whatever I had to do just to get through it. And I don't know, piano, there's piano teachers here, and probably many of you took piano lessons, but you remember how you had to like, make marks, like play this song five times each day, and this song, and, and do you still do that? I'm looking over here, Becky might do that. She kind of hummed and hawed because, you know what, for a guy like me, it didn't really work. And I remember one time on the way to piano lessons, I opened my book and I went, <clears throat> there weren't very many marks. And so I thought I would just present myself in a better light. And so I started to make some extra tick marks here and there and fill it in a little bit. And I wasn't going to like say I practice every song five times a day because that would be too obvious, but maybe three days, three times. I got to the lesson. And it was a horrible experience. More so for the teacher than for me. It became horrible for me, but I could just sense her level of frustration with, okay, play this song. And I couldn't play it. And play this song. And I fumbled through that song. And she called my bluff. And she was angry. She took her eraser. I'll never forget this because it traumatized me. And that was like the end. <laughs> she grabbed this eraser and erased every one of those pencil marks that I made and grabbed her pencil and in anger wrote practice on it and sent me out early. And the best part is, is that my sister also took piano lessons from the same teacher and she had to go in next. And, uh, and she's like, like, I mean, it was like a 10 minute lesson and it didn't end well. It's hard to do anything well when we're not into it. And when we express our heart to God, one of the ways that we do that is through worship or through, through singing, because worship is a very broad term. David in Psalm 86, 11 and 12 fervently prays this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me, listen to this, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Friends, I think that should be our prayer, don't you think? Lord, give me an undivided heart. There's so many things that challenge me for my affections. They draw from my affections. And can I focus solely on you? I'm going to ask a question of you this morning and of me. And I'm going to ask several questions this morning because I think it'll just help us think about what or who we love. It'll help us contemplate each of these things. But simply this morning, ask yourself this question. What has the affections of my heart? What really gets my heart's attention? What are you into? You can think about that. I won't say much more about this because loving God with all our soul, I think, is so closely connected. And that's why I was saying earlier, it's, it's difficult to kind of break these apart. But love God with all your soul. 
You see, the soul is man's eternal part. It's, it's all of who we are. It's our true character. And it, it, in essence, is what makes us tick. It's what drives us. If we were to put a word to this, it would be passion or devotion. And to be devoted means to give up and to give up oneself or one's time or energy to pursue some purpose, activity, or person. What are we devoted to? word passion is a good one too. It's, it, it really is a strong feeling of warm emotion. It's, it's having a deep desire to know God, simply put. And when we're passionate about God, we need to remind ourselves that God doesn't want our duty or our obligation. He wants our desire. You know how empty a relationship feels when it's marked by dull routine or dry obligation, simply going through the motions. And that's why in this exchange between the teacher and Jesus, even the teacher is able to respond that we're to love God as your neighbor. And all of that, he says, is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. You see, we we can give to God, but if it doesn't come from from a heart and a soul that is moved by His goodness and His grace, and it is just a response to His love, then maybe we're just going through the motions. And so loving God with all our souls means that we passionately pursue a relationship with Him. This isn't coming to faith in Jesus, entering into a relationship with Him, and then just continuing on as if no relationship even existed. No, we give ourselves wholeheartedly to a growing, vibrant, active faith that is expressed in a relationship with Jesus. And so another question to ponder this morning What are you passionate about? What is it that drives you? Well, we love God with all our heart, and we love God with all our soul, and we love God with all our mind. Remember, we're in Mark's version, so now we're starting back there and coming forward. This is just what I might call an intellectual love. It's our understanding It's our thought capacity. And so we add our intelligence to our affections so that this isn't just some blind devotion. We thoughtfully follow God. We get to know Him. We get to know about Him, but we actually get to know Him. And we think about Him. And we talk to Him. And we know that He's always with us. And He has our attention. He has our focus. And when we have our attention on God, it's an expression of our love for him. So can I ask you another personal question? I'm going to anyway. What do you think about the most? What consumes the things that you think about? I have to say that's a scary question for me to think about because I think about a lot of things. There are many interests that command my attention. Tina, my kids, sports, the Oilers, fantasy football, good things, fun things. But I have to tell you that I do need to be careful not to allow these things to consume me. And every once in a while I catch myself thinking, you know, I probably have spent more time 
researching players that might be available on the waiver wire in fantasy football. And I know I'm probably stepping on a few guys' toes right now because you do the same than I did in his word. God should command our attention. And I confess that all too often my mind wanders and settles on things of lesser importance. Another way to think about this is, what is it that I treasure? What do I treasure? Because the Bible makes it clear that, that, that what we treasure most in life will be what we ultimately probably spend most of our time thinking about. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your affections start to, be, to, to take over. And I would say that, that, that it, it could probably even say, for where your treasure is, there your mind will be also. It'll be what you'll think about. A verse that speaks to my preoccupation with myself is Romans 8, verse 7. And I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. Focusing on yourself is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God and ends up thinking, listen to that, more about self than God. Isn't that true? So we think about God by spending time with Him. Isn't that what we did when we fell in love with our spouse? That that, that we just needed to spend time with them. There's no substitute for this. And I can almost predict the quality of my day by what I do first in the morning. If I get distracted and I check my email or start reading the news, I know that I'm going to be distracted by that. And it's so hard and we need to be so intentional about finding a time and a place in order to give God undivided attention. We need to find that location that is free from distractions and interruptions because of our mind. One of our prayers before every service, at least if it's not public, it's when we gather before the service. And in my mind, I'm thinking, God, for everyone that gathers here, just remove the distractions. Just remove the distractions. Because I know how hard it is to come in from a week that's been busy and crazy and there's been painful things and there's been joyful things. And we come in and we're thinking about that and we're meeting people and we're greeting people. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to just re-engage into focusing on God. And it is so hard. And then there's always that like, oh yeah, i got to do this this afternoon. And we get distracted so easily. When Susanna Wesley, who was a mother of 19 children, can you imagine that? When she needed some quiet time, she would sit down in a chair and she would just throw her apron up over her head. And when kids saw mama hiding behind her own apron, they knew to just leave well enough alone. Now the kitchen probably isn't the best place. Neither is any place that has clutter or is just screaming to be cleaned or laundry or bills to pay. And we need to keep the TV uh, off and the radio off and the computer off. In order to focus on God, we need to find that virtually distraction-free zone. And what do we do during that time? We spend time in His Word. 
And we haven't emphasized this for a while, but it's just a reminder, one of the things that we encourage people to do is to follow along in a daily Bible reading program that we use as, as it's just called the Life Journal. And there's journals back on the back table that you can get that have the plan in there and place to write notes. But you can go to the website, and write on the, on the church website, and write down at the bottom, it just says Life Journal, and click on that, and it'll take you to the page with all the readings. Start there. And isn't it awesome if we're all reading the same thing the same day and you run into somebody in the mall and, and it's like, well, what have, you, what, have been, what have you been up to? And inevitably we talk about the kids and the activities we've been a part of. But what is, did you have a chance to read the scriptures this morning? And what would that do in terms of our conversation and our encouragement as we walk with God together? And we spend time in prayer, specific time, and then all the time, because the scripture says pray continually. And here's a promise that I believe is very important for us to keep. Isaiah 26.3 says this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Just remember that. In the craziness and hecticness of life sometimes, just bring your thoughts back, fix them on God, and claim this promise and just know his peace and his presence. And lastly, we love God with all your strength. And this is just where we use our practical abilities to love and to serve God. We serve him with the strength that he provides. This is, if there's a word I could use, it's, it's energetic. It's marked by an intensity this service that we have. And it's one thing to say that we love God, but now we're just backing it up with our actions. God has given every follower of Jesus at least one gift, and he expects us to use it to serve him and to serve others. This gift might be leadership, so lead, or, or help, so get your hands dirty, or giving, so give generously, whatever it is. Exercise the gift that God has given you. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. And so I'm just going to simply ask you this morning, where or what are you involved in in serving? If you've recently started coming to TCC, we want you to know that, that we expect, it's an expectation I think, and it's a simple expectation, that we want people to be involved actively in one place of ministry at a minimum and whatever that might be and there's always places that you can serve we can talk about that another time there's one more piece that i want to touch on quickly because jesus did say that love god with all your heart and love god with all your soul and love god with all your strength and love god with all your mind but then he quickly added oh and there's one more love people Love your neighbor as yourself. And you may have noticed that there's a banner for this part too, and it's, it's right over by the brunch line, just outside the nursery by the, by the fountain there. And we thought that it was a good place to put that right at the, the start of the brunch line. So when you're going through the brunch line and you're thinking of cutting in and getting ahead of the line that started here in the, in the auditorium, you'll think twice about that because that wouldn't be a very loving action now, would it? I'm just kidding. It was just a good place to put the wall, the, the banner. <laughs> But it is a place that we expect everybody to see. And, and, and it's not like we're compartmentalizing because all of loving God doesn't just take place in this auditorium. We love God and we love people all the time. But as we gather here and we see these banners, it's a reminder, yes, 
This is what I need to do. And when we're walking out the door and we see love people, it's like our mission statement, our purpose statement, as we're going out into the world and the neighborhoods we live in, we are going to love the people that we come in contact with. We've learned this golden rule, haven't we? Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Matthew 7, 12. This, he says, is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And we just treat others the way we would want to be treated. And when Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he was making the point that it's not about who my neighbor is, but more importantly, whether or not I'm a good neighbor. All the people I come in contact with. And so last question of the day. Do I intentionally look for ways to meet the practical needs of my neighbors? And how do I do that? You know, random acts of kindness go a long way. Just providing something for, for people, whatever it might be. You see somebody moving in to your neighborhood, one of the best things you can do is just take a meal over to them, take a casserole over to them. Because you know that those boxes aren't unpacked. They're thinking about ordering pizza or KFC. And suddenly their new neighbor just shows up and say, Welcome to the neighborhood. You know, how, you know what kind of a statement that makes? And one of the values at TCC is that we just love our community, the community that God's placed us in. And we seek to love it and to serve it. And we provide opportunities to bring the community together and have a good time like the carnival or winter delight. And so this message, as I said, I hope it serves just as a simple reminder. And I hope that it helps us refocus our focus. Because summer is an interesting time. We go on vacations. We start to travel. Our routines change. And as a result, sometimes the number one priority can be lost among all the other good things that we're doing. And so my hope and prayer is that wherever we go, wherever we are, we might see these banners, at least in our mind's eye, and we see our most important priority come into focus. Love God. Love people. Sincerely, passionately, thoughtfully, and energetically.